The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Okay, MMA on the rocks on the eve of UFC Fight Night 92 in Salt Lake City, Utah, of all places to have a fight. Got to be one of the most desolate places you could ever host a cage fight. In any case, I'm joined by the Portuguese man of war, my hometown buddy, Dave Bernardino. How you doing, Dave? Good. What's going on? So I wanted to get you on the show because I know you're kind of into MMA. I know you're really into drinking. We've, we've had a lot of drinks together. We've watched a lot of MMA together. Yes, we have. And uh, we, we've seen some crazy shit together, too. Now, you consider yourself like a casual MMA fan? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, I mean, uh, I don't watch it religiously, but when it's a main event or whatever, we usually get together and go out to a bar or whatever and see the fights. Okay. So as a casual fan, what makes you tune in to watch MMA or UFC? Um, I would say the fight technique, you know, seeing different fights like Muay Thai, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, stuff like that. Every, every guy has their special technique and it's pretty cool to see how each one reacts. Yeah. So who, who are the fighters that make you tune in? So you're not someone who's going to watch all 40 something cards the UFC puts on. Who are some of the names that you see on TV, you see the commercials and and you think I I need to see that pay-per-view? Well, I mean... Nobody really picks up my name, uh, picks me up by their name, you know. Uh, I mean, given years ago when uh, George St. Pierre was there, you know, that Which, was always the man to watch. I don't know if you know, he's talking about a comeback now. I've heard some, I have, I've heard some talk about it, but you know, I mean, I give him the respect that he deserves. He took some time off, and if he comes back, I'm pretty sure he's gonna be stronger than ever. Yeah, well, Tyron Woodley, who just knocked out Robbie Lawler last week to win the welterweight title, is calling him out. And it sounds like GSP might be looking to make a little bit of money. He's been out almost three years now. Yeah, I mean, GSP, I mean, I don't think he was ever in it for the money. I think he was in it for the fun. He was always a, a true fighter. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. So GSP comes back. Say he comes back in October. You laying out 60 bucks for that pay-per-view? Oh, without a doubt. All right, great. So we're watching that at your place. <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> I'll bring the beer. <laughs> awesome. So we got a fight night tonight, and... Uh, I guess I should state this too. We're going to do this podcast in two parts. So we're going to talk a little bit now about some MMA background. We're going to talk a little bit about what we're drinking when we watch the fights. And then we're going to come back after fight night's over and we're going to break the fights down. So I wanted to talk about a hot topic in MMA right now that as a casual fan, you probably don't know about. So the rules have gone under a little bit of a change. So they're, the unified rules that exist in MMA... They, they've gone under review and they decided there are some things that need to change. Um, is, is there anything about MMA that you find boring or uninteresting? And then we'll, we'll go over the rules and we'll see if they address any of those things. Um, not really. Nothing that really bores me about MMA. I mean, I do like that they stop, they bring the guys up to the top when, uh, when they're just laying on the ground on their backs like a hurt turtle, you know, like they ain't getting up. But that's a good thing. You know, okay. it keeps everybody interested in wanting to fight. Yeah. You know, 
So but, you don't like guys stalling. Yeah, I don't like stalling. Yeah, you know that gets kind of boring. Yeah, it does. I mean, I don't like to see anybody get severely hurt or whatever. But you want to see some action. Yeah, I would definitely want to see some action. Okay. And how do you feel about the judging in MMA? I think the judging is good. I mean, I think there's a lot of favoritism when it comes to judging. Okay. But have you ever seen fights where you thought, like, no way that guy won that fight, oh, and then he wins a decision? Yeah, a lot of times. Lot what, of times. what do you think is the main cause of that? Well, like you like you touched on basis is uh, the rules. Yeah. You know, I mean, do I think some of the rules are fair? No. Do I think some of the rules are there to protect the guys from getting severely injured? Mm-hmm. Of course. But, you know, they also got to understand that people want action. Yeah. You're not going to get action out of a fight by making these guys sissies and tap them in the face and they stop the fight right there. Yeah, exactly. How do you feel when guys, you know kind of play the outside and they kind of pitter-patter with their boxing maybe land some takedowns and do stuff like that and they get a decision over a guy who maybe landed some big bombs or like some big kicks and bloodied the other guy up but he didn't land as many strikes well that comes down to the rules you know i mean you're gonna get more points for some stuff than you are others you know if the guy lands Mm -hmm. three big shots and makes the guy wobbly but the other guy lands a hundred punches you know, it doesn't really do anything. Yeah, it doesn't really do anything, but he's getting the points for every hit he strikes. So you know? which fight are you respecting more after that fight? The guy throwing the hard hit punches because he wants it. So you, Okay, so you think the guy trying to outpoint and just landing 100 shots but not doing any damage is less respectable than the guy who's landing precise, effective strikes? Of course, because even though he's getting those 100 shots to the face, he's, la- he's landing three precise strikes to take this guy down. He wants that. Okay. So that's that brings us to the first change in the rules, which states, the rules originally states that, you know, judging will be based on effective striking, grappling, and octagon control. Okay. So the fighter who can outgrapple and land more strikes and control the octagon, quote unquote, is going to win the round. Now they've updated the language to include the word damage in this. So I'll, I'll read it verbatim here. Effective striking is judged by determining the impact or damage of legal strikes landed by a contestant solely based on the result of such legal strikes. So basically, if you make more of an impact with your strikes, you're going to make more of an impact on the judges' scorecards, so to speak. So what do you think about this change and, and adding, adding the damage vernacular into the actual rule set as opposed to the old way where if you landed more strikes, you win the round. I think that's great. I think that rule is awesome. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't get any better than that because, like I said, if the guy hits three hard hits and the guy wobbles but he gets decision because he threw 100 punches, I don't think that's right. I think the yeah. guy who wants it and is going to take this guy down should deserve it. Yeah, and I mean, if you can do more damage, my, my whole thing is, like, at the end of the fight... Who looks more like they've been in a fight? Yeah, of course. And yeah. sometimes you get the guy who gets his hand raised, and I can't think of any examples off my top of my head, but you get the guy who gets his hand raised who, you know, clearly got, it looks like he got the shit beat out of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the other guy, you know, he might have taken a uh, hundred leg kicks and like a few jabs to the face, and he might have gotten taken down a few times, but did he really have any damage forced on him? And that sucks. And just to just to give a little background too, um, Dave doesn't know about any of these rules, so we're kind of talking about them blind. 
yeah, I don't know any about, anything <laughs> about this. So we're just kind of bringing them up on the fly. So the next rule that they determine, another big problem with MMA with the open palm gloves or the open finger gloves is eye pokes. Okay. So guys leading with an open hand and, you know, it happens all the time. We see it so many times that guy's finger slips in the eye and... You know, it stops the action immediately. They're allowed up to five minutes to recover. We've seen it stop some fights altogether. And guys get some nasty eyeball injuries. And the question has always been, what can we do about this? Because, you know, we can't make them wear full gloves. I mean, the four-ounce gloves are only really to protect the fighter's knuckles. So what's the solution? So the new rule is that you cannot extend your hand with open fingers in the direction of your opponent. And I know... People listening to this cannot see the gesture I'm making with my hand. <laughs> so if your fingers are open as if you're pointing at the person in front of you, you cannot approach your opponent with your fingers open like that. You either have to point your fingers toward the sky as if you're going in to give your opponent a high five, or you have to come in with a closed fist. Those are the only two ways you can come in at your opponent. Otherwise, they could potentially deduct a point, and that'll be considered a foul. What do you think about this rule? I don't agree with that rule one bit. I don't agree because they're not going to give you a closed glove because the whole thing about MMA is grappling. Right. You can't grapple with a full glove. Mm-hmm. You know, and that just doesn't make any sense. That's absurd. Yeah. I mean, with the, all the fights that happen, how many times does really a guy get poked in the eye? You know, maybe once at every every hundred fights, maybe. Yeah. You and know? Uh, maybe a little more often than that. So what is it about the actual rule that you don't like? What purpose would it serve to come at an opponent with your fingers pointing at them? Because you're ready to grapple. If you come out okay. with a closed fist, now you can you could have missed that grapple because now the guy sees your arm extend out and he's already coming in towards you. Okay. When you could have already grabbed his arm seconds before and, and MMA, we, all, we both know, and anybody who hasn't seen fights knows yeah. that seconds count. That's a good point. I, I actually hadn't thought about that. When I, when I first read the rule, my initial reaction was, it's guys, and I think John Jones is the biggest perpetrator of this because he pokes people in the eyes all the time. Uh, well, I think he does that on purpose. But that's, a <laughs> talk. that's a different conversation. It could be. I mean, he does a lot of dirty stuff and a lot of dirty drugs. and a lot of, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> That's a fair point. But the other point is that a lot of guys will use it to measure distance. So they'll reach their hand out to see you know, how far away to line up a good strike. So they'll reach their lead hand out to see point. how far they have to reach with a cross or a hook uh, to reach their opponent. So now guys are gonna have to measure with their fingers pointing up or with their fist extended, and it kind of throws that gauging off. But that's a great point you made about the grappling too. But what do you think about the, the gauging distance aspect of the fingers extended? Well, that does make sense. Uh, I mean, I didn't think about that when you just mentioned that. You do have to gauge your distance because even a lot of these guys who start fights, sometimes they get thrown against another opponent because let's say the other guy was injured or whatever and he they stopped the fight, but yeah. now they brought in someone else against him. Yeah. Now he was so set on fighting that guy that he's fought before and he gauged his distance already, yeah. but now he's thrown off by that. Okay. So now can a good fighter lose a fight to not say an amateur, but... Yeah. Someone he hasn't fought before. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess guys are going to have to change some of their training tactics. If they're 
you know, measuring distance like that in a gym and sparring, they're going to have to, you know, that's where they're going to have to cut that out of their routine. Because if you're in the habit of extending your fingers, now it's against the rules. You can't do it. You're going to have to, you know, change up your style a little bit. Well, I feel like that's going to change the whole fight scene altogether. Because if you can't extend your fingers and gauge your distance, or you're not going to stop a fist coming at you with an open hand because you can't grab his hand or anything, I think we're going to see a lot more ground play. Yeah, exactly. And and for wrestlers and Muay Thai fighters, you know, you bring up a good point with the grappling. If they're going in for a collar tie where the, you're just going in to grab the back of a guy's neck, how do you do that without having your fingers extended? Exactly. You go in with a closed fist and brush your fist against the guy's cheek and then open your hand when it's behind his head to clinch. Uh, I don't really know. And it's going to take, you know, we, we all know there's problems with the referees. Of course. That's any sport. <laughs> so, and, and you're throwing like a, all these rule changes at them. So this is going to mix things up. I think it's going to make things interesting. Overall, I like that they're changing the rules because it's about time. They've had a big rule change. So the next one I think is the most interesting. Now, you know you're not allowed to kick or knee a grounded fighter or a fighter who's on the ground, right? Yes. Good or bad? I think it's good. Yeah. I think it's a good idea. Um, I mean... Depends like what kind of kicks you're talking about because if the guy's throwing some hail makers with some back of a heel to his yeah. head, I mean, uh-huh. do I do I agree with that? No. Yeah. And I think that's just like a kind of unnecessary a and, punishment. A, a yeah. hit and run, you know, like I'm gonna kick you in the face from the top. You, there's nothing you guys can do. Yeah. You know, and the knees. I mean, it depends because if you're in a ground ground play and you grapple and everything, you throw him a couple shots to the rib cage, you know, to get it to yeah. flip him over, whatever. I mean, I don't think you should yeah. kick a wounded guy on the floor, you know? Well, you can knee a guy to the body if he's down okay. on the mat. You can't knee him or kick him in the head. I agree with that. So, <clears throat> the old rule was a grounded opponent is considered someone who has three points on the ground. So, if both your feet or both your knees and one hand is on the ground, you're considered grounded okay. and you can't be kneed in the face or kicked in the face. So... Guys would start to play this game where if they're against a striker and they're in a bad spot, they would just drop one hand and, and just touch a finger to the mat so they couldn't get need. Okay. They changed that rule. You can no longer just have three points. Now you have to have both hands on the ground and it can't be your fingers. It has to be full palms or full fists. So you have to put both your fists on the ground to be considered a downed opponent. What do you think? I think that's going to stop a lot of fights. I don't think that's going to be good in, in any aspect because a lot of guys are going to find a way to either cheat with that, you know, like if they're getting beat up and they're wounded or whatever, just to stop the fight and back the guy off, I think he's just going to plant all fours on the ground and get picked up by the ref, uh, you know? Yeah, not necessarily, but once you ground yourself, the other guy is free to jump on top of you, take your back, and then it's a it's basically you're turning it into a grappling fight if you don't want to get kneed in the face. Well, that's if you're lucky because if you got all fours on the ground and the ref doesn't see it, you know, you can be taking a shot to the head while you go to put all fours on the ground. That's true. You know, what is he going to do? What kind of call is he going to make then if by the time that kick is already flying or whatever the case might be that you're going to put all fours on the ground? Yeah. But, you know, that's the choice you have to make now. So it, it was kind of like it was kind of like a pussy way out where guys would, you know, if they're getting beat up or they're in a clinch or something, they don't want to get kneed in the face, they would put one finger on the ground, and then it's like, oh, can't kick me in the face anymore. 
and yeah. it was like it it got to be a little bit childish and uh big john mccarthy as you know you know one of the best referees in the game yes. he was one of the spokespersons who came out and announced these new rules and he said guys were playing a game quote unquote putting one or two fingers on a canvas to to stop guys from kneeing them in the face and his exact quote was, we want them to stop playing that game. So the referees, you know, who are in there to keep everybody safe, you know, they're also in there to make sure that the action continues. So if guys are stalling on the ground, they stand them up. So now you can't take the easy way out. If you don't want to get kneed in the face, you got to get all the way on the ground and risk getting your back taken or risk getting mounted or risk getting submitted you got to really put yourself in a bad spot to avoid those strikes or you have to stand up and fight, create distance and and fight. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I see your point on that. Um, it's going to be interesting to see these new rules in effect. Yeah. You know, because uh, like I said, all fours on the ground, you got to make sure that ref sees all fours on the ground mm-hmm. because you can be playing that game that he's talking about. You take a knee to the face and the ref didn't see your fourth hand your hand on the floor that's your fourth body part that's touching the mat yeah now you're taking a knee to the face and you let's say you get knocked out but now your argument is all four is one on the mat yeah did he see it did he not yeah well i mean it'll be a little bit easier to tell now because you know if you to get yourself with all fours on the mat you know you have to really change levels and lower your body because you know sometimes it was hard to tell if the guy had one hand down and it, it get, there was a lot of controversy there, like, oh, he gets kneed in the face. But not even that. If you're, just, let's say, you're a fighter in the cage and you're taking a couple shots and you want to make sure you have all fours on the floor, on the mat, and you want the ref to see that, but now you open yourself up to getting grappled. You know, you're, you're yeah. to a whatever. Yeah. You know, you could just putting your, just thinking about it. Let's say you're taking a couple of good shots and you put all fours on the mat. Now you open yourself up to an armbar. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you open yourself to a lot of things. A guy could just jump on your back. Um, So another rule, which actually has been... So there's unified rules that everybody kind of has to follow, but individual athletic commissions for each state can contest them, and they don't necessarily have to follow them. This next rule was one that was contested by the New Jersey Athletic Commission, and it doesn't look like they're going to follow it. This is a rule about heel kicks to the kidneys. Okay. Now... I know when you say that, you start thinking about anatomy, like when would this come into play? This would come into play... Well, when... Not really. The first thing that comes to mind is Boss Rutten uh, with a heel kick to the balls. <laughs> <laughs> heel to the balls. <laughs> and then in the liver. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think he's, <laughs> he's notorious for talking about shots to organs. Uh, so the way you would use this is if somebody is inside your guard. Okay. So now a closed guard, for people who don't know, is when you're on your back and you have both of your legs wrapped around your opponent, this is considered full guard. Now what you can do from that position is basically extend one leg and snap a kick into the middle of their back or their kidney. Yes. Now, before now, this was illegal. It's legal to punch people in the kidneys, elbow people in the kidneys, and knee people in the kidneys, but it was never legal to heel kick them in the kidneys from your guard, which is kind of difficult to do anyway. If you've ever practiced Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and you're in that position, it's hard to get a lot of force on a kick. And there's a couple of guys who are real long and lanky who can snap, a, whip a kick around a guy's body and, yes. and, and connect. But overall, 
Um, you know, it, they said it, it's just a silly foul and something they wanted to take out of the rules, but it's not really something that comes into play. What are your thoughts on this? I think, I think them taking that rule out is good. I think they should allow them to kick them into the kidneys because, like you're saying, it's hard to do. Mm-hmm. You know, um, If you're capable of doing that and it's going to get you points, I don't see why not, why you couldn't get those points because how many guys in, in MMA can really do that? Yeah, there's not a lot of them. Yeah. And it, my feeling on it is, like, a lot of guys don't spend a lot of time in full guard in MMA. It's just not something that's that's really played. It's not like guys are sitting in full guard a lot of time. And if they are there for a lot of time, that's when you most often see the referees stand it back up. I don't really see this as, like, a huge rule change or, or anything that's going to have a major impact. Neither do I, but I, I mean, like I said, I don't see if the guy is willing to get the extra points... I don't see why you shouldn't. Sure. You know, because let's say let's say that's the make or break of the fight is a couple shots to the kidneys from the, with a heel kick, mm-hmm. you know. Should the guy get the points? Yes. Should he get deducted? I don't think so because he's really trying to get those kidneys. Yeah. I mean, if you see a guy heel kick somebody in the kidneys and the guy taps out and then, you know, you start seeing his shorts turn red because he started pissing blood all over himself, maybe this rule will come back up for review. <laughs> well, but... <laughs> if he starts pissing blood, I think he's got a couple other things to worry about. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it'll knock a few kidney stones loose. Yeah, right? Maybe, <laughs> and it'll, maybe it'll do him some good. They'll develop some new methods of medicine. <laughs> anyway, the next rule is really stupid. It was It's about clavicle grabbing. Now, your clavicle is your collarbone, which is a pretty high pressure point if you're in kindergarten, yep. which is exactly the way John McCarthy put it. And he made Randy Couture demonstrate <laughs> a clavicle <laughs> grab with Jeremy Horn, uh, both you know MMA icons. They were there when they were announcing these two rules, and, he, and they both were cracking up laughing. They couldn't stop because when would you ever grab a guy's collarbone? What benefit would this, what benefit would this have in an MMA fight? I don't really see. I mean, unless he's going for a grapple from behind, but I still don't see him go for his clavicle. I mean, yeah, it's, um, it's kind of silly. Even with four ounce gloves and open hands, I really see you're getting punches thrown at you. The guy's waving his arms around. I really don't see how you would even be able to grab a guy's clavicle. Yeah. And I mean, you haven't done much martial arts training. If I reach across this table right now and I grab your collarbone, you're just going to slap the shit out of my hand. That's true. But now now you're getting into that rule that I can't come out with you open hands. That's true, too. (laughs) So now you can grab the clavicle, but you can't approach somebody with an open hand. Exactly. How am I supposed to grab your clavicle with a closed fist? I have no idea. That's why they made this rule, because it's impossible. This is a catch-22 rule. There's a catch-22 with all these rules. Yeah, I say fuck the clavicle rule because now you can't... I can't grab somebody's clavicle if I want to. But I think you can still do it. Like, if you have open hands on the ground, if you're grappling, you can grab onto that thing. But, I mean, like John McCarthy said, if you have a five-year-old, this is a great move. Grab their clavicle and, you know, throw them on the floor. But me not being so much into MMA and stuff like that, what benefit does it get you from grabbing a guy's clavicle? I think it was just, it's just one of those things that was, for whatever reason, it was banned in the rules for the longest time. But there's no actual points that you can get from it or move. No, there's no advantage, but I think, you know, if they're not calling, if guys do grab a clavicle and they're not calling it as a foul, they just wanted to get that out of the rules just to... 
you know. I think that's so, just a rule for no reason. Yeah, it's just a rule to have a rule. The next rule, and this is the last one we're going to talk about, is actually very interesting. And it has to do with female fighters and the clothes that they wear in the octagon. Okay. So what are your feelings about, you know, the way women dress in MMA? I don't see any problem with what they wear. Mm-hmm. I mean... What could they wear that's any different that's going to make an advantage or disadvantage for them? I'll tell you. So, <laughs> the, Please do tell. The rule, <laughs> the rule used to be, you know, basically they could wear whatever they want. Obviously, in the UFC specifically, they have to wear the Reebok fight kits. So okay. Reebok has to make it, and that's, you know, that's the rule for the UFC. I mean, and not to give Reebok any points, I do like what they have done with uniforms. Do you? Yeah, I do. Okay. Well, uh, a lot of people don't like it because um, it limits, you know, the fighters' ability to have sponsors because they're not allowed to be. To, they're not allowed to have their own sponsors. You know, they used to have like all kinds of logos, like Condom Depot, on their <laughs> <laughs> on their shorts and everything like that. Um, but they're not allowed to do that anymore. That was part of the Reebok contract. Reebok is the only sponsor of the fighters. So when they come into the cage, they're not allowed to have the big banners with the sponsors anymore. And they're not allowed to have any sponsors on their clothes except for Reebok. So whatever Reebok pays them, that's the only sponsorship money they get. Now, for a lot of these fighters, they would make more money on sponsorships in the past than they would for actually fighting. So a lot of the fighters don't like the Reebok deal so much. Well, I mean, now that you, now that you mention it, that does raise a good point. Um, but also, yeah, I mean, I do understand what you're saying because... Just wait, I'll edit it out. <laughs> Just wait till she's done drinking. <laughs> if I don't end up editing this out, what you're hearing in the background is my dog Bijou drinking water out of her bowl very aggressively. <laughs> Kidding, man. It was me sucking down beer. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of beer, we've gone through a couple already, and I'm excited to talk about the beer that we're drinking. After Bijou's done drinking our water, I might not edit this out now. I should have bought a cheaper microphone so it didn't pick up the, the noises of my pets in the background. Well, what are you going to do? The dog's thirsty. We're thirsty. I mean, this is MMA on the rocks. So we can't not be drinking during this. I think she's beaten us drinking water, then we've been drinking beer. I know, because we can't, for the last, you know, 20 seven minutes that we've been recording we haven't been able to get up and get another beer <laughs> i think we gotta get a waiter <laughs> all right i think she finished the bowl now we're probably gonna hear her burping and making some other grotesque noises Beezer's a french bulldog and you know if i don't end up editing out <laughs> all these parts about bijou uh, I'll post a picture on Instagram for everybody to see at MMA on the rocks on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook and MMA on the rocks.com as well. If anybody's interested to, you know, see any of the behind the scenes stuff, because that's where I post everything like that. So Bijou's just kind of wandering around now. She'll make her way back to her bed. So I want to get back to the female attire. So we were talking about sponsors and how with the Reebok kits, Yes. Um, you know, the fighters can't get any sponsorship money. You did bring up a good point about that sponsorship money with the, um, with the Reebok kits. Mm -hmm. uh, do I think they should be allowed to... Because even with the Reebok kits, the ring still... The Octagon still posts sponsorships on the uh -huh. hats. You know, 
Do I think they should take the sponsorships away from... But the fighters don't see any money from that. No, they don't. But that's why I, I bring up this point. Do I think that the fighters should still stop the sponsorships with the the banners that they bring mm-hmm. out or whatever? No, I don't think they should. Yeah. You know, I think the sponsorships are great for the guys. It's easy way for them to get money. Yeah. Um, it's, mm-hmm. This is their career. Yeah. You know, do I see them stopping getting supplements, let's say, from... Uh, vitamin shop or whatever the case might be do i see i don't think they should stop that yeah exactly and they're not getting supplements anywhere now because with i don't know if you know this or not but all these drug testing incidents have come up where guys are getting popped for you know things that they didn't even know were banned substances because they're taking supplements and there's metabolites in the substances and they're getting you know whether or not all that's true or that's just what they're saying from a PR perspective but these guys are getting pots because the UFC brought in uh, an anti-doping agency and paid them a lot of money to test these guys rigorously and a lot of them are getting caught for for drugs well I mean I used to go to the gym once in a while um, do I agree with the guys taking their proteins and whatever it is their pre-workouts their post-workouts whatever it might be you know, do I agree with them building up on supplements that way? I agree, a hundred percent. You know, I yeah. mean, it's up to the guy if he wants to take protein or not, or whatever yeah. it might be to relax his muscles or yeah. you know, whatever the case might be. Do I agree with the drugs and these guys doing steroids or human growth hormones or whatever? No, I don't agree about it because yeah, you look at the MMA. I've always looked at the MMA. I mean, you've always watched the MMA before me, Bellator, all the yeah. Indonesian fights and all that stuff, whatever they were. Yeah. Um, we all know they always used to do drugs. Yeah. Oh yeah, especially in Pride in Japan. Yeah. These guys were doing cocaine in a in a locker room, and that's why they came out like fucking animals. Do I agree with that? No. Does it add to the excitement? Of course, because these guys beating the <laughs> shit out of each other. Yeah. It's great. But when you go look at MMA and you think of UFC and the reputation they had or have. Yeah. You know. That's not a guy I want to mess with. Yeah, you know? exactly. I don't steroids are not. Steroids are not. But you always look at a UFC guy that made it to the UFC as yeah. the top of MMA. Yeah. You know, he's oh, of course. the pride of MMA. He's a hundred percent clean, a lean fighter. You know, that's not the guy you want to fuck with. Yeah. On a and, good day or bad day. But it turns out very few of them are hundred percent clean. And and with this new anti-doping agency. You know, a lot of guys, a lot of guys are getting in trouble. And then uh, the guys who are on stuff and they know they're on stuff, they're coming in and they're, sh- they're not looking as big and muscular as they did in the past. But I don't want to get too much on a tangent with that. I want to get back to the female attire in MMA. So the the issue was that it, there was a there was a small town fight out in the middle of nowhere. Let's say it was in Idaho. I don't really know where it was. Where a girl okay. was wearing a sports bra in a fight and she wore a t-shirt over it and she wound up getting a t-shirt pulled over her head and it turned into a hockey fight and she got the shit beat out of her so they had to make it a rule where female fighters since they have to wear a top unfortunately (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) i mean they should just they should play by the same rules as the men the men only wear shorts i mean uh with all the rules, with all this LBGT stuff going on, I mean, uh, that's a whole different conversation. But 
they all want equal rights, right? Hey, they want, yeah, they want to be in the same fight. They got to play by the same rules. <laughs> no, but the new rule, which I think is very fair, they can't wear any loose-fitting clothing. So they have to wear a sports bra, or they have to wear a rash guard, which is like um, uh, if people who practice jujitsu know what a rash guard is. But I would compare it to like an um, Under Armour. Like that okay. heat gear, like wetsuit, like yeah, like very tight, form-fitting, and it can't have sleeves, okay. um, because it turns out that a lot of the girls were getting into some bad positions because they're wearing Under Armour or similar, you know, Reebok, whatever, with long sleeves, and they were getting into bad spots. So it has to be they can wear like the sports bra that we've seen Ronda Rousey most famously yes. wear, and uh, all these other things, or they can wear a form-fitting rash guard. That is short sleeved or sleeveless. Now, I think this is a good update to the rules, not just because the women are wearing less clothes, which is, you know, nice aesthetically. <laughs> Attracts a lot of attention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think this is, and this is not coming from a chauvinistic standpoint. It's not like they're asking these women to wear thongs in the octagon. Okay. But, um, you know, this is for their safety. You can't, and coming from the perspective uh, of practicing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for a long time, you can't wear baggy clothing. It just will not work to your benefit. No, it will not. It will not. I mean, um, if you were a badass, like you were people in Pride and all those places and Bellator and stuff like that, where guys wore gis and knew how to <laughs> operate in a gi, yeah. you know, that was badass because this guy's fully clothed and fucking guys up left and right. But yeah. do I see the advantage of fully clothing? No, not not at all. I think it's going to work to the disadvantage. Yeah. I mean, and even like the, the baggy shorts sometimes for the guys, you prove to be a problem. So I think this is a good rule change. Uh, I'm glad we kind of had this conversation because, you know, as a casual fan to to kind of get your perspective on on the way the rules change. If anybody hears some heavy breathing, that's n neither Dave or myself. That's my French bulldog, Bijou, who is upset that she was on the floor by herself, so I had to pick her up, and <laughs> <laughs> she breathes very heavily, um, and uh, she's getting a nice belly rub right now. But yeah, so Dave, I wanted to get your perspective on these rule changes, and I wanted to get your perspective on these while we enjoy a hometown brew from Westchester County, where you and I are both from. Now, yes. I, I live in Jersey now, but Dave still lives up in Westchester, and he brought over, he kindly brought over some beers, and one of the beers he brought over was uh, Yonkers India Pale Ale, which comes out of Yonkers Brewery. You want to give us a little background on our, our history with Yonkers Brewing Company? Um, well, there's really not much background to it, but um, I've never had a bad beer from them. We yeah. both never had a bad beer from them. True um, story. Being from Westchester County and always going to Yonkers, you know, just for that DMV, which everybody hates. Um, oh, that DMV is the worst. <laughs> but, Yonkers Brewery is actually located down the street from the DMV. Yeah, so Yonkers Brewing Company, by far the best reason to go to Yonkers. That's the only reason to go to Yonkers. <laughs> well, the other reason you might go to Yonkers is to check out a bar where maybe one of our favorite bands, Shillelagh Law, is playing. That is true. That is true. And Shillelagh Law actually wrote the theme song for the Yonkers Brewing Company. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. It's called The Working Man? It is The Working Man. Yeah, great song. 
Great song, great band, great live band. Well, if you're into beers and you're into drinking, I definitely recommend going to Yonkers to McLean Avenue, where all the <laughs> Irish people are. <laughs> yeah, those Irish motherfuckers. <laughs> Not including that, you'll enjoy yourself some good Jameson and some Magners on Ice. Yeah, they love their Magners on Ice, those off, those off the boat Irishmen. I've tried to get into the hard ciders and I can't. The hard ciders don't do it for me. I don't get. I don't understand how a straight up Irishman off the boat loves Magners on ice with a shot of Jameson on the side. Yeah, but you know, they they know what they're doing, obviously, because <laughs> you know all the <laughs> all the best liquor and beer comes out of Ireland. But you know what I can get into is this Yonkers IPA, which. I'm actually loving. This is the first time I've tried it. You know, I've had their lager and a, and a couple of other of their fine beverages that come out of the Yonkers Brewing Company, but I've never had the IPA, and it, it's very light for an IPA, which I'm really enjoying. Uh, it's very tasty. It's got a very strong hoppy aroma. Yeah. Um, it's a beer that you can literally drink all day long, even in a hot summer sun, that's not going to fill you up. It's not... One of those craft beers that everybody thinks is, oh my God, you can only have two when yeah. that's it for the night and you're full. Yeah, definitely. It's not a gut buster for an IPA, but it no, still has that that hoppiness. And it, it even says on a label, the backbone for the huge hop aroma. I which, agree uh, with that. I agree <laughs> with that 100%. Yeah, they I put mean, it perfectly. This has to be one of the best beers that I've had recently. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely up there for me. It's it's light. It goes down smooth. I plan to have a couple more of them, and we're gonna do it while we watch UFC Fight Night '92, and we're gonna throw down some pizzas. We're gonna throw down some Yonkers IPAs, and we're gonna have a good time watching these fights. And then we're gonna come back and break them down. What do you think? I think that's a great idea. I'm ready for some more beers. Give uh, Bijou a couple more belly rubs and put <laughs> down some pizza. Yeah. Well, in case we don't make it back. To break down the fights tonight, <laughs> because we've had too many Yonkers IPAs. Uh, we'll sign off for now, and enjoy the fights, everybody. Yeah.